0: In a darkened room somewhere in Hollywood, and in the inner recesses and dark and unbelievably commodious confines of Los Angeles' most intensive and fabulous retrospective film cumulation, the Cine Family, here on Fairfax Avenue. <laughs> in the gracious, expensive tennis shoes district of Los Angeles where caps may be bought for overprices and shoes as well in what used to be a burgeoning Jewish neighborhood which is now holding the line with canters and a couple of stores <laughs> showing no signs of leaving and here we are excitingly once again the smartest man in the world Proopcast takes to the ether this time the Greg Proops Film Club version. How do I sign up for the Greg Proops Film Club? Well, Jimmy, it's easy. First, you're going to want to stand in the moonlight all night long with a fishbone ensconced in your hair until a purple moon rises in the sky. What then, Mr. Proops? Then you're going to want to rub something that you find like a tin can and it'll burnished with a high sheen and you can see the morning stars glow in it. What'll happen then? Well, a grown man will sit near you and want to breathe. You know, I think the greatest reaction a comedian can hope for when recording a live podcast is to have someone cough uncomfortably after the first shitty, unsuccessful, improvised dick (laughs) joke. It's all right. It's awesome having Doc Holliday in the audience here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. You don't see him out that much anymore after the OK Corral. Guess he feels pretty shitty about what he did to Billy Clanton. Anyway, thanks for coming out tonight, Doc. It's nice to see people with consumption at my show. Uh, by the way, I welcome the afflicted, and I'll be doing a simple laying on of hands after the showing of tonight's movie in order to cure many maladies. Uh, not two uh, showings ago, uh, in the last showing of the Greg Proofs Film Club, we showed the movie Point Break, and a young boy came up to me who uh, only had chicken legs, and I, uh, I, I rubbed him vigorously below the equator for 45 minutes, and immediately he felt better and, uh, and almost ran out of this place. Um... On new legs Legs that weren't chicken legs anymore That was a little more graphic than I meant it to be I was a, When I said the simple laying on of hands All you come up to me And I just put my hand aside your brow And, uh, and, and, and whisper a small incantation That I've learned uh, it, It's effective It's fun too When's the show going to start The audience out there listening is wondering Whenever I fucking say it starts Go listen to something else you dickhead that's not a very welcoming way to get people to listen to your show. What if they have earbuds in and they're at work? Well, this is the perfect time to waste not one, but two hours. Because you can waste a whole podcast worth of podcast and a movie as well. Um, this is the time, if you're at work, to queue up your Netflix to the movie With Nolan Eye. Because that's what we're going to show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, then when I give you the cue, put it on. And when your boss just asks you what you're doing for the next two hours, go like, I'm, I'm just you know, going over some... What do people go over? uh, Spreadsheets. Because I'm looking at some projections for the next quarter. I want to make sure that everything is uh, ginchy when we have the thing that we we all sit in a room together. Meeting. When we have a meeting, I want to be ready. I'm going to have a PowerPoint presentation and other things that people do. I've uh, been working on it on some of my new uh, apps. <laughs> and uh, that's what I want you to do. I want you to just queue up the movie and play it when, uh, when we play it today. If you're, of course, if you're driving, this is an awesome time to light a fat one. <laughs> uh, what can I tell you? Uh, Bruce Robinson wrote this picture with Neil and I. Um, Bruce Robinson was a child actor. And, and I think always wanted to be an actor. And he was gorgeous. He plays Belvolio in the movie Romeo and Juliet by Franco Zaffarelli, which I was taken by my uh, English class to see when I was in high school. I think it came out in like 76, uh, 18, <laughs> 9. It was a long time ago. And uh, I, I, my whole class was taken to see it. And it was awesome for us because, one... If you had read Romeo and Juliet, seeing the film made the context even more clear of the highfalutin language and poetic intent, not to mention the convoluted plot uh, full of teenage intrigue and hot underage sex and then hot eventual suicide. Um, yeah, no, it's a play for teenagers. It really is. It, uh, if, you're, if you have a teenager, if, you, if you're just young at heart, uh, um, underage sex and a dual suicide, fuck yeah, that's two hours. Um... <laughs> With sword fights, and then one guy gets stabbed in the heart, and he says, uh, how is it? Oh, it's not as big as a church door, but tools suffice. Huh? I'm 15, but I'm playing it off, right? I'm playing it off. I didn't even bone out. I took the fucking wound, and now I'm playing it. Uh, oh, no, Shakespeare's got it. I mean, not every Shakespeare play. There's some blow blowchunkies. My fucking... <laughs> and that's the greek word i believe it was originally used in the poetics by aristotle the blochunkus artistic endeavor is the one with which the manbag is osculated while the making of is enacted uh they took us to see Roman Polanski's Macbeth, and I think it was the first movie he made after the heinous murders. And uh, Roman Polanski's Macbeth might be the most violent movie I can remember. It makes Clockwork Orange look like you'll just laugh at Clockwork Orange. You'll just throw your head back and be like, oh, Grandma, this peach cobbler doesn't need any ice cream. It's sweet enough. <laughs> That's what you'll act like when you see Macbeth, Polanski's Macbeth. The opening scene of the movie, there's fog, and then it clears, and this is from memory by the goddamn way, uh, but aren't you drunk and high all the time? I'm drunk and high right now, and I remember this. I saw the movie in 1975, and uh, the opening shot is, at first it at a Playboy film, and we're all like, come <laughs> playboy film, um... That meant something in 1975. It didn't mean a daughtery guy with pursed lips and a weird Count Basie hat that chased girls around a playground or whatever that fucking show was. It were the girls who live in the thing. And uh, I don't know if you ever watched that show, but he would walk like Carl Lagerfeld. He had a horrible. When he stood up, you could tell he was ninety because he. <laughs> And then the poor Holly and what, what What are their names? Holly and Sprig And Juicy Bear Whatever their names were Easy on a data And flagrante Whatever their names were They would come in the room And he'd go mm-hmm. When he'd kiss them his, That was when you knew He was 80 Like it would have been okay Up till then And then he'd go mm-hmm. No No Do not kiss me With that fucking King Louie Jungle Book mouth And shit That, that is not I don't want to be like You ooh, ooh, and shit You are bunking You are harshing my banana leaf What once was a fertile lagoon Is a dry, barren wasteland Where you will find no purchase So They took us to see Macbeth And the opening scene is all this fog on the beach, and you hear clank, 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 you know, knights at war. And then the fog lifts, and there's a dude laying on the ground, and a guy walks up to him with a mace, if you remember the mace, right? Of all medieval instruments, really. I mean, we're all down with the broadsword, because there can be only one. And we're all... Right, we're all down with the dagger, right? Because sometimes in between the floating rib and the other one, and then you take their purse and shit, and then you're off to fucking Canterbury. Uh, And then... Uh, and then Vincent Price rides by. Yes, look at them. <laughs> look how poor they are. <laughs> Open the castle gates. Um, then, uh, and we're all familiar with the uh, uh, the broad axe as used by Gimli the dwarf in uh, all of the Lord of the Rings movies. And he's so great in those all three of those movies because one, those movies are torpid okay there's moments of great fun in them but the torpidity of those movies you really at a certain point you're like how fast can this boat go (laughs) because I'd like to open her up a little bit (laughs) I've got mountains and horses and Vigo and I got everybody's on my dick I got dwarves and people with contact lenses and shit there's people with funny ears and it's still dragging no one has blown up in a while I mean, if you read the books, Jesus Christ, there is no amount of psilocybin that really propels the books. In any case, are you going to just diminish the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy, both the literature version and the movie version, in two glib sentences, you fucking asshole? I'm not diminishing them. I'm putting them in perspective. In normal fast-paced movies That whip like the fucking wind That have fantasy characters You have every right to expect A dwarf to get up and go ah, And then cut someone's head off And then the movie to move along Then there to be a hot elf girl With multiple breasts Let's get this fucking party started Tolkien Instead it was You might as well have had It would have been better though Wouldn't it have been better If they'd had I hate that fucking singer But if it would have The Canadian one um, And it's all for love Who's a Brian Oh so many dudes Know his name Wow Did we just catch out An entire section Of the room here And shit Fucking You're right though It is Brian Adams Cause I saw I was in the Hard Rock Cafe Or I was in a Hard Rock Cafe The last time I was in one I can't remember if it was I think I was in the one In Cleveland Hilariously And they played The fucking Rod Stewart Sting Of Brian What's his name Brian Cranston Brian Adams Brian Adams I always confuse Brian Adams with, you know, people that uh, I like that are cool. And uh, so I can never remember his name. Because I was in a cab once, trapped with a fucking cab driver for 45 minutes. And he was playing a live Brian Adams concert. I didn't even know that was allowed. I didn't know they made a record of that was like that long of him doing, you know, I gotta see Extreme thing You know, for like a year. And he goes, uh, I go, what are you playing at a certain point? Is this Brian Adams? And he goes, We're an English cab driver We're in England. This is in the 90s. He goes, oh you gotta love Brian Adams. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, contraire, you fucking do not gotta love Brian Adams. I wish I'd brought a fucking Andy Williams tape with me because I would rock your world so hard. Um, it would, the Lord of the Rings could have used a little when, when Liv Tyler's kissing at the end and shit. And it's all fun because it's awful." fun. It was missing Led Zeppelin. Sorry. My improvement to the Lord of the Rings movies would have been to play Misty Mountain fucking Hop when the movie... Walking, I mean, that would have made the movie fucking... Like... For the mist Where the spirit What are they saying? I love here Where the spirit where. That would have made the movie Fucking good 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 And then what was the other one? You know now? Well, the, the ring just in Black Right on Down in the darkest light swing to the morning About fucking one off Led Zeppelin for The Battle of Evermore Fucking... You guys pretend you like elf shit. (laughs) Pretend. I'm waiting for the... What is it? Something of Babylon waiting for the eastern glow. The world is filled with good and bad that mortals never know. (laughs) When you're 15, that's... Fuck, yeah, I didn't know that. I'm... I'm mortal. Fucking didn't know the world was filled with good and bad. So at the end of Macbeth, the beginning, he's got this mace on the beach, right? And the dude's laying prone, and he just wham, 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 hits this guy with the mace and blood everywhere. And I remember all of us as fucking 70s teenagers went brr. And I've already told you, I've shared this in many other podcasts. My father took me to see the Wild Bunch when I was like nine. And The Wild Bunch is a hilariously ultra-violent Sam Peckinpah movie where women are shot in the head and guys have their throats cut on screen. It's awesome. And uh, worse than that, there's a scorpion fire with children and that's where Sam Peckinpah knew what the fuck he was doing. Like uh, Todd Browning or or any great horror director, uh, at the beginning of the movie The Wild Bunch rides by a bunch of Mexican children and they've got scorpions and ants are eating the scorpions in a giant circle and they set it on fire and they're laughing and they're going... With sticks And you're like This is fucking horrible <laughs> This is worse than the gigantic Gang shooting scene That happens two seconds later That watching children laugh At scorpions being eaten by ants Is fucking terrible <laughs> So at the end of Macbeth He gets his head cut off And when he's when the, and, and they're running through the streets Right and, uh, uh, and I remember a POV shot of From the severed head I don't even know if it's in the movie But I remember it From when I was a teenager <laughs> It might not. And then they put the head over the ramparts and, you know, the woods of Densinay and all that shit. And what, what meant was this uh, untimely whip from a woman's womb, you know, and all that shit, right, with the Macduff and all. I shouldn't even talk about it too much. We're in a theater. <laughs> any case, uh, um, they took us to see Romeo and Juliet. And Bruce Robinson, who directed this movie, uh, plays Belvolio in it. And he said that Franco Zaffarelli chased him around the set the whole fucking time. That it was a horrible experience because... Bruce Robinson is Fair good looking Right Like it's not often We say that I would have a movie director Most movie directors Either have the Steven Spielberg Ron Howard Unspeakable baseball Hat thing going on <laughs> Or With any luck They look like Kurosawa Right Or, or, or uh, Some ascetic, You know God You know Like d- Glasses Dark glasses And the, you know uh, 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 It's It's uh, <laughs> I really can't answer that question because the, the premise that you're asking is so ill-formed. I, I have always worked with Icelandic cinematographers because they understand light. They understand light. You laugh if you like. I'm here on grant money anyway. And hopefully you get those kind of directors. Uh, then there's the other in-betweeners. You know, there's your, you know, the guys who look like Jim, like the ones that Steve Buscemi would play in a movie. All that the, there's a whole genre of directors that, like John Waters and uh, uh, Jim Jarmusch, Steve Buscemi could play any of them in a movie. Uh, but uh, Bruce Bruce Robinson, on the other hand, is uh, a a fucking bunk a hunk a chunk of bunk of of chunk of runka Belvolio fucking. Codpiece, pouch, Zaffarelli chasing goodness is what he is. He is a, he is a scented nosegay that uh, Signore Zaffarelli uh, evidently wanted to uh, whiff from, uh, at, at the very least. And uh, in any case, he did not like making the movie. If you've ever seen Romeo and Juliet, it's quite good. Uh, Zaffarelli made a couple of Shakespeare's um, Timmy the Shrew with Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. That one's just good for the screaming. It's not really a good movie, but any time you can see Liz Taylor wear a big bodice and have it and just rockets up, right, and like, uh, and go, Hah! you know, then, then it's a good... <laughs> Liz Taylor doing anything is good, really My wife and I always do There's a movie called The Sandpiper Where she moves to Monterey And she's got a son And she gets in a relationship with Richard Burton Who's an itinerant minister Who apparently has affairs in every town he goes to And Charles Bronson plays the bohemian Who wears white jeans And meets them down on the beach And is like, how about some wine? It's just fucking good It's fucking good But Liz Taylor finds a sandpiper and fucking keeps it and nurtures it back to health. Look at it. It is hurt. And then fixes it and then later in the movie the sandpiper's like lights on her shoulder because it's so familiar in the crib in her bohemian crib full of her own artwork and shit and by the way she's good in it you know what I'm saying this is not one of the thinner Liz's this is later 60's Liz and the sandpiper lands on her and she goes that bird's becoming a nuisance and just chucks it and you're like didn't you fucking save it two two reels ago that was the most important emotional event in this movie it was representing the fucking rebirth inside your feminine soul because you've moved to a place where you're finding the emotional rocks to be most salty indeed and you have a son with you and then fucking two scenes later you're acting like you're high at a party it's a nuisance so that Zafiroli movie is worth seeing for her but the other one Romeo and Juliet has Olivia Hussey and uh Oh, I can't remember who played Romeo. In any case, uh, someone will write me. Believe me, I'll get five million fucking emails when this goes out. I was listening to your show. And an error was the first thing that assailed my oral facilities. If you are purportedly the smartest man in the world, would it not behoove you? Yes, it would To have done the simplest piece of research I could have possibly done And find out who the fuck played Romeo No, I'm not looking it up uh, He was good looking But Bruce was better looking And then Bruce was in The Story of Adele H And played the What are we at, 30? Is it time to wrap this cocker? Okay Is someone lighting me Or am I just looking into the projection booth? It occurred to me now That I'm having a fucking surrealistic Pillow uh, Wow, that was weird Um and so He was an actor And he lived with a guy Who is The character of Withnell A man named Vivian And uh the, the point of this movie is Is that it's heartfelt It's a sincere depiction Of what it's like And I think For me And I'm hoping for you Uh And I'm certain for you Out there listening That uh It'll represent a point in your life Okay, I know there's teenagers listening to this show But you haven't gone through this yet But if you are older than that, you will know That one day you will live in a horrible flat With a bunch of other desperate scoundrels <laughs> And that your only thought when you wake up will be What can I sell today? <laughs> Followed by What can I steal today? And that uh, you'll be caging drugs Off everyone you know The quest for booze will be eternal And it'll be like We don't have any cigarettes Let's go downstairs to the old deaf lady's apartment And distract her uh, You'll live in a circumstance like this And I think that's what this movie's about uh, it, Nominally they're actors Because in real life they were actors uh, The fellow who he's uh, uh, portraying is a, is a real fellow Um and his name was, yeah, I should have learned it, but I didn't, because I didn't want to spoil it for everyone, really. I think it's funner not to, uh, not to actually, well, I can't find it anyway, so I'm not going to be able to tell you. Vivian something. In any case, this fellow um, uh, uh, lived with uh, Bruce Robinson, and uh, they drink a lot in the movie. There's a, there's a game you can play where you drink along with it. However, as someone in the movie says at one point, I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> I'm going to read you a partial amount of the uh, of the drinks because they have been, of course, this is an English movie, so they have been dutifully transcribed. A mouthful of red wine, lighter fluid. That's right. The second drink in the movie is lighter fluid. <laughs> double gin, finger of cider with ice, finger of cider with ice, finger of cider with ice, glass of sherry, two big chugs of sherry, mouthful of sherry, sip of sherry, double whiskey, 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 splash of whiskey, single teachers. All right, you get the idea. <laughs> There's also a camberwell carrot smoked later in the movie. So if you're playing along at home, you're going to want to have one ruled for that moment. Why is it called the Camberwell Carrot? Because <laughs> I thought of it in Camberwell and it resembles a carrot. <laughs> Richard E. Grant is off the deep end uh, in this movie. Much like uh, Tim Curry in Rocky Horror uh, or Anthony Perkins in uh, Psycho, sometimes one person can dominate. Uh, or, or, what's that Joan Crawford one? Uh, Eyes Without a Face? I mean, there's a few movies where one person just fucking... Dominates And uh, this is one Uh, Paul McGann is marvelous His name is Marwood In the movie If anyone's ever interested I don't think it's said During the movie Uh, Richard Griffith says Monty um, Is uh, Thank you Yeah Maybe that's why I was so pervy At the top of the show I was channeling Monty Uh, And then the other part In the movie That you'll want to remember Is of course Danny Danny the drug dealer Uh, Again One day If you're a young teenager You will move into an apartment And Danny will live near you (laughs) And you will have an experience with him And then later you'll have to look at some of the belongings he bought With the money you paid for the drugs uh, Very quickly Bruce Robinson's uh, filmography is amazing uh, it, it, His first movie is really his greatest movie um, he, he was an actor And then he, d- he got tired of trying to book So he became a screenwriter And he awesomely wrote The Killing Fields For which he was nominated for a screen, uh, Best Screenplay Yes, The Killing Fields is quite a, an amazing movie And it's a great, a screen, it's a great screenplay Uh, He also wrote this movie and directed it This is from 87 Uh, Subsequent to this was How to Get Ahead in advertising from 89 Which also has Richard E. Grant Uh, You're going to have a monster on top of you tonight And um, Jerusalem will be Builded Uh, How to Get Ahead is uh, Very um, Not subtle But it really gets its message across in a very uh, strenuous way. Then he followed it up with Jennifer Eight, if anyone remembers that. Which I always thought was a Spike Lee film, but I think I'm confusing it with Jennifer Six. (laughs) Is there another movie with a girl's name and a number? Uh, And then he did The Rum Diary, of all fucking movies. I mean... Uh, he's fat man and little boy. He uh, he wrote uh, Jennifer Eight. He wrote Return to Paradise. How to Get Ahead, and he wrote the Killing Fields. In any case. Uh, um this is uh, uh, his first picture that he directed. It's from the heart. It's all about him uh, in those days. But I think it's all about us, and it's all about everybody that ever lived like this or will live like this, and that's what makes it so great. With Nail is the kind of friend uh, that's your best-worst friend, your worst-best friend. Um, we'll, uh, let me read you one little quote from Roger Ebert, and then we're going to... Uh... Go right into it. And get the movie cued if you're going to cue it right now because we're going to start it in a second here. Roger Ebert awesomely said uh, something really good. Shouldn't you have the pieces of paper turned so that you can read them? I didn't realize there were going to be so fucking many. (laughs) Here it is. Roger Ebert wrote a marvelous piece on this movie. And this is what I love the most. Um, Why does this film... Uh, which I've made sound so depressing Remain popular after more than 20 years It achieves a kind of transcendence in its gloom It's uncompromisingly sincerely itself It's not a lesson or a lecture It's funny but in a consistent way In Withnell, He creates one of the iconic figures in modern films Most of us may have known someone like Withnell. It's likely that Withnell never knew someone like us His mind was elsewhere <laughs> Withnell and I ladies and gentlemen picture, wow, Ooh, that's too loud uh, uh, and, and so unbelievably well acted uh, Roger Ebert said in the thing it was depressing but I don't think it's depressing at all, isn't it? It's a, I get a more of a it's a space and time, right? and it's about change at the end um, uh, Withnell's going to be Withnell forever and that's what makes the movie eternal that there's no sequel of Withnell 2 this time he auditions and gets in a thing uh, that's not important at all, uh, there really was a person and his name was Vivian Mackerel I just wanted to read you one story that happened with them. Uh, Robinson uh, was living with him, um, Bruce Robinson, and he knew it had to end when Mackerel returned from a trip home to Scotland armed with bottles of drink. 200% proof, Robinson claims, that distillery workers made by sticking used whiskey filters into spin dryers. Deranged by the drink, Robinson and Mackerel, armed with a hammer and an artificial leg, smashed down one of the walls of their house. (laughs) (laughs) It took another six months for them to work up the will to go their separate ways. Um, I like at the end of the movie it said it's a fictional character and all the f- characters are fictional and all that. I was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, do you want to do some questions here and then we'll uh, we'll um, bugger off into the night? Are we using this microphone here? Thank you, young Ryan. Young Ryan, you haven't seen this movie before. What did you think of it? I've not. I enjoyed it. It reminded me a lot Are you, you going to speak on mic, or are you going to make uh, it ephemeral and weird, like voices are rushing through people's <laughs> podcasts? It, it reminded me of a lot of my good friends. Ah, I think it reminds everybody of their good friend. Did, did everybody kind of know? Well, no one's going to admit to being that friend, so it really has to be that it has to be a friend that you knew. Uh, I'd love to show another movie that has nothing to do with this at all, but it has almost the same... Uh, no, it's so childish, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's a movie called Bad Influence with Rob Lowe. And, uh, yeah, it has nothing to do with this at all. It's just that Rob Lowe is the most awesome bad friend in the world in that movie. But no one would ever admit to wanting to be the Rob Lowe part, except that he was better looking than James Spader in it. All right, uh, let's do a couple questions, and then we'll uh, wrap we'll up. Well, we're going to do... Um, uh, a Halloween picture here But we only have run up against two small obstacles One, we haven't picked a date yet And two, we haven't picked a fucking movie um, <laughs> I've been suggested by Hadrian here Who you met earlier before the show um, He was the one in the spectacles um, he, uh, he wanted to do the, the Raven With Boris Karloff and Lugosi Which will give us a chance to talk about that My wife suggested um, uh, many good ones The Cat People but well, I guess want a universal kick. I want a, a Doctor Fives rises from the grave. But um, thank you for nobody uh, <laughs> wanting that either. Uh, I did want that. Does anyone have any questions? This is what we do at the end. I neglected to mention. If you the could beginning. come up, we're on a short cord. If you could I come have, up. I have a suggestion for a movie. What about the exorcist the Heretic? First of all, what's your name, young man? I don't speak unbidden. We go Roger's fucking rules of order here. <laughs> It's Robert's Rules of Order, Greg. Yeah, I use a guy named Roger's Rules of Order. The chair recognizes you. What was your name? Steve.
1: Steve, that is correct. And what is your question? I was just
0: going to suggest for the Halloween movie, The Exorcist Part Two, The Heretic. Oh, yes, I saw The Exorcist Part Two, The Heretic. Thank you for your suggestion. Uh, I've already absorbed it and exhaled it. Here's the thing. Um... it it is an awesome movie Linda Blair's in it and that's what makes it really super good I saw it in a drive-in at the Burlingame drive-in in in, um, Burlingame, California with my cousin Donnie the year it came out uh, we were unbelievably high on butyl nitrate and marijuana (laughs) and uh, it was I can assure you that even under the influence of those very powerful drugs the movie improves not a whit uh, it's it's not scary in any way. There's a giant locust scene at one point, which for me, I think the movie The Swarm proved that anything that comes in a in a swarm isn't good. Uh, I would I would show Night of the Lepus before I would show the Exorcist uh, Heretic Part Two. But thank you for that. It, it it is amazingly bad. What makes it so amazingly bad is it's top heavy with actors. Uh, that movie loses. Do you remember uh, an unbelievably awful Steven Soderbergh movie from a few years ago? Which one, Greg? Uh, I'll just pick one out. It was called Traffic. Uh, it was a, a remake of a, of a I think it was a Swedish Was it a British or a Swedish miniseries? And, uh, and Steven Soderbergh reduced the movie to um, uh, having sex with black people on the weekend and going to a bad neighborhood was degrading. Uh, when, I think anyone will tell you that it's one of the high points of a life uh, <laughs> And Michael Douglas in the movie was pulling out drawers and screaming, Where are the drugs? And all I could think of was, This was like your life for like 25 years. And she, what the fuck is going on behind me, Robinson? We're giving him the long cord. Oh, you're giving him the long cord. You've just thought of that, have you? Yeah, um, preparation is the essence of this show. So uh, I'm not certain why I brought up the movie Traffic Now, except that you had said something before that. The Cat. What was it, The Cat? Oh, It had a top heavy cast. Yeah. Traffic was a movie that you watched, and every time you turned around, you had to go, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Felicito del Toro. That's all you could do through the whole fucking movie. You couldn't you could enjoy the movie because anytime anyone turned around, it was like, Ladies and gentlemen? You're like, No, really? Let me have some fun for five fucking seconds. Everyone in a movie doesn't have to be a star unless it's going to be an airplane movie. Uh, or Airport 75 or whatever, then you expect Gene Hackman and Karen Black and Alan Reddy to rock your fucking world all at once. I don't think he's in that one, so don't fucking call me on it, but you get the idea. Uh, thank you for that. The, the, the Heretic has Richard Burton and Louise Fletcher. Uh, uh, and I would say that Richard Burton's wasted in it, but I think he's wasted in every movie, really. I, <laughs> uh, I've explained this before. Richard Burton is sulky and sullen, and there's very few movies where he's peppy, or, or, or even well count. Beckett, maybe. And, and, and Beckett, because he's, he's, he's kind of a drippy priest. Uh, the Sandpiper, he plays, as I said, a, 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 a sort of itinerant minister. And if there was ever someone Who didn't depict what it was like to drift up and down the California coast in the 60s as a minister I think Richard Burton might be exactly that actor Yes, I'm here for a while, but soon I'll get gone Oh hooray, this is really lifting my fucking spirits. I hope you read from the Beat Blessed on the Meek They should be drunk and willful No, they won't, they're going to inherit the earth, Don't be a dick Um, So, uh, do we have any other questions? Thank you, Robinson, for changing out the court. That's going to sound awesome on people's earbuds. (laughs) Anyone? It's a discussion more than a... uh, I'm not going to answer questions on behalf of Bruce Robinson as much as I'm going to hope to. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Rudy. Rudy? Rudy. Oh, hi, Rudy. Just the only question is, would you happen to know if this was an American cut? Like, was it an edit for the United States? That's a very good question. Hadrian would know better than I because I believe he's purloined these reels for tonight from some nefarious fucking circumstance. I think there's a warehouse in Culver City that's missing six cans. Uh, He he claims to me, and this is Hadrian's words, and I'm misquoting entirely because I vaguely remember the conversation it was earlier in the day. Uh, He he said, uh, well, I didn't steal it, but let's just say the people who had it didn't know they had it. (laughs) So uh, now they don't know that they don't have it, so I don't know. I did notice that George Harrison produced the movie, it's a handmade film, and that Ringo was listed as a creative consultant at the end. I wonder if that was the Camberwell Carrick part. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. It was Richard Starkey, MBE, uh, using his title and everything. I, I don't know if there's another edit. Have you seen another edit, of, this, of the, a version of this movie that has more? Yeah, in the Criterion Edition, there's scenes that aren't that aren't in this version The scenes se- se- such as what, Richard Griff- more Richard Griffiths? When they're at the bar and he tells the bartender That he was in the army, he was a Territorial And he has to get a crack me. That I have seen that fucking version You're right, this is an American reductive version And whoever Hadrian stole this from Owes us all a huge apology right now I remember the Territorial Army part When they're drinking in the bar And the guy gets in his, and he's arsehold By the time they open on rum And he continues to get more arsehole Richard Grant walks up to the bar and goes, I was in the tactiles. And to get more drinks from him, and the guy's like, oh, will you, will you? And then they drink to the fucking army and shit like that. Then the guy, then the poacher comes in, Jake. Is anyone, of all the unbelievable, uh, uh, you can look at all the 80s movies. I mean, the uh, the dear departed Tony Scott just passed right around the same time as this movie came out. Top Gun came out, right? Uh, And Beverly Hills Cop 1. And this movie, which has more Raging homosexual assault In it than any other Awesome mainstream Biographical picture uh, The poacher says The most horrible thing anyone's ever said To anyone in a pub I've seen you prancing about like a tit You want working on boy You want working on No I don't And he's got a fish and whatnot. Horrible Horrible And I mean to have you, boy, even if it's burglary, I think Molly says. <laughs> Fuck you and your thing. There's me naked against the wall. What, and how dare you say I was in love with you? I'm a bit carried away. <laughs> 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 ah, this was Bruce Robinson's life, find- the uh, yeah, so yes, this, there is another version of this And it has more in it well, Can you remember any other scenes? Because I remember that one that at, at the beginning of the movie When he's sitting in the tub in the film on the DVD he refers to the thing as a sapolo And in the film they call it a sausage A sausage, they've re- they've renamed it Those horrible, and I've mentioned them on the podcast many times And no one ever knows what I'm fucking talking about You have to be in England and know what they are The horrible red sausage that it brings in When they throw the chip And he's eating the chips on the toilet And... and, and, and uh, uh, Paul in the bathtub, is a satellite. And George Orwell, the awesome author of 1984 at Animal Farm, who uh, pretty much nailed us, because uh, we've, we've reached that point. Uh, when, when you watch the Republican National Convention, didn't you think of the end of Animal Farm? And then they turned into pigs, and then they turned into people, and then they turned into pigs, but there was no telling which anymore, and all that. When you saw all the people, <laughs> Oprah cried, and I cried too. And the whole crowd went, ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god I've seen this many ugly white people at a place as Gerald Ford's fucking funeral fucking NASCAR rally um, I'm joking of course if you're a Republican hey enjoy the freedom I saw a bumper sticker today that said uh, I'm going to keep my guns my money my guns my freedom and you can keep change see what we're depriving people of? guns and money and freedom fuck I had no idea I'd have never signed up to be a a, a liberal is it? Uh, in any case yes there is extra shit in this uh, man Hadrian I can't believe this ratty copy you fucking stole from us that you put life in limb and probably mortgaged your house and shit Uh, We're going to be showing uh, Exorcist to The Heretic It's a very reductive 18 minute version Linda Blair comes out and she's skating But that's Skate Town Mm. Or is she in Roller Boogie? She's in Skate Town Which one's in Roller Boogie? No one knows fucking Skate Town and Roller Boogie? This is supposed to be an intensive cinema course Everyone is getting credit no credit There's going to be no fucking grading on this This is bullshit Study the fuck up. Uh, I'm joking, of course, but please maintain your respectful oh, silence. I, I, was just, I was just saying that I believe the prince is probably Canadian, if that explains oh, it. Oh, it. it's a Canadian print. And it's Linda Blair. Yeah, that explains it. If there's one thing Canadians do, it's reductive cutting. Well, two things. They hoard maple syrup, and they reductively cut films. If Whithnell had been a Canadian film, the opening shot wouldn't have been him sitting in a room while White or Shaded play, uh, Pale played. It, it would have been um, uh, anne Murray singing and Wheat. <laughs> Just a shot of Wheat waving and shut like up. <laughs> <or whatever. laughs> and then the band would have kicked in or whatever. You know. Yeah, it would have been a different film. Uh, but it would have been my film, finally. <laughs> finally the film I wanted to make, the Canadian Whithnell where at the end They both sober up And just go eat <laughs> uh, Does anyone else Have anything else They'd like to say I think we've probably Had enough fun and I... Robinson Oh do you, Does anyone remember That movie Aliens 3 uh, <laughs> Speaking of Intensive film course uh Alien 1, of course, is Alien by Ridley Scott. The movie about cancer, right? The the thing infests the ship and they can't kill it no matter what and it keeps coming back and then at the end they think they killed it but it didn't. And then Aliens 2 is the World War II movie with the all-ethnic platoon, right? Hey, Vasquez, you so... And whatever mistake you for a man? No, you yeah, you so fucking bad. You know, the whole platoon is named Kozlovsky and Vasquez and Washington. There's a black guy named, you, know, you get in here, you love no the car, and all that shit. It's, fucking, it's got everything, right? And they just shoot aliens. And then the third one uh, is, is the one where she goes to the, um, a pri- the monastery planet, yeah. right? Uh, it, does anyone remember uh, uh, Danny the Drug Dealer? Plays, what was his character in that movie? 98, I think it is, or 89? He plays a guy who is one of the officers at the penitentiary. It's a penitentiary they land on. Sigourney Weaver lands on a penitentiary in the third one. Spoiler alert. And uh, (laughs) when she gets there, the warden is played by a British actor named Brian Glover. And I don't know why I'm holding my hand like this. You must be this tall to hear the next explanation of what I'm going to talk about. If anyone's shorter than this, I must ask you to leave the room right now for your own safety. Uh, And the guy who plays Danny the Juggernaut, what the fuck's his name now? Ralph uh, I've forgotten his buddy name Ralph Brown Ralph Brown uh, plays a character whose IQ is lukewarm and they found his personnel file and everyone through the whole movie calls him 89 or whatever and he has the funniest line in all of Aliens 3 the aliens killing them all one by one Pete pulls to white. the whole fucking cast yeah, again top heavy ladies and gentlemen Charles Dutton. every second of the movie ladies and gentlemen Charles Downs uh, after the aliens killed a bunch of them they're trapped and they're in a room and Because he's playing a moron, Ralph Brown goes. Well, I'm out of ideas, and it's the funniest fuck that I remember seeing in a movie theater, and the whole place fell over. It's a horrible movie, but Ralph Brown was funny. And Brian Glover, who plays the warden in that movie, the governor, uh, comes into every scene and goes on. Rumor control. The alien is not taking over. The princess. I did a TV show with Brian Glover and we were in a trailer together this was years ago in London and I go Brian I'm the only person who ever saw Aliens 3 what the fuck and he goes because, um, we knew that it was a fucking awful script because it was in a million different colours <laughs> <laughs> fucking pink and green and turquoise and he goes and you knew where the fuck you were going to die what fucking page what were you was on right <laughs> so because they all die everybody in the movie dies so, again spoiler alert it's an alien movie because we sit down at the table and Charles Dance, who plays the surgeon in the movie, goes, oh, I fuck her and I die on page 16. Uh, which I thought was a lot funnier when he told me, May. uh, maybe if you'd seen the movie, all right, everyone go home and watch Rollerberg and Skate Town and Aliens 3, and then come back when you're ready to be serious about this. We don't want to waste every moment of our lives. It's not a waste. Uh, one. Are we done? Or are we one more? Or we'll go. No. Anyone else want? After <laughs> that like horrible outbreak, no women want to talk about it. I know it's a boys' movie. There's a, I don't even think any women have any lines in the movie, other than the lady in the cake shop. We want the finest lines from human here, and we want them now. Uh, yes, sir. My name is Philip. Hi, Hi Philip. And uh, I, I saw this when it first was in the theaters. Sure. And um, it was during a time when they were taking fairly popular foreign films and turning them into American movies with yeah. Steve Gutenberg, like The Cousins movie, and... Men and A Little yes, lady yes, was, yes. It, was a, it was a hilarious and retro I, film. And I was horrified that there might be a plot somewhere in town to turn this into an American movie with, like, Kevin Bacon and... Right. <laughs> Do you know if there's ever anything like that? I'm, I'm guessing just, Bad Influence might be close. I'm joking, of course. Uh, <laughs> if, if they had, there'd be more robberies with Illinois. You know, I don't know if they did. But that is a horrible notion because they do that with every movie ever. Uh, the movie "Dinner for Schmucks" uh, was a, a, a French picture from a couple of years ago called "A Game for Assholes" in French. And I, fortunately my French isn't that fluid. I don't know the word for asshole. And uh, and that that movie was well realized, um, uh, beautifully written, uh, a, a comedy of manners, uh, constructed with all the things the French do best: uh, subtlety and archness, and uh, and and the old switcheroo of when. But people's status changes and the American version was a crappy movie where the line babies go diarrhea, I believe, got into the, the trailer uh, and you think, really? Uh, so I don't think there was a crashing with Illinois, but if it had been from 87, Kevin Bacon is the perfect choice to play Paul McGann and then I think the guy who played Booger in all the nerd movies could have played with me. And it might have been funnier and better It also would have had a swinging soundtrack With music by Oingo Boingo And Charles, Charles Nelson Reilly is on Christmas. Charles Nelson Reilly Get out of town He was awesome forever uh, I will say one thing about this The last movie we showed Point Break Is the most popular movie with the worst soundtrack ever There's not one good song in the Point Break soundtrack And it ends with a rap song A song by Rat. They need to even get guns and fucking roses The movie came out in like 92 They got rap they spent no money this movie has how many two, three hundred songs in it it has a fucking great soundtrack did the whole movie you're like oh <laughs> you wouldn't have expected it and then awesomely if anyone noticed uh, uh, when the black guy's in the bathtub uh, they're playing while well, my guitar gently weeps by George Harrison uh, which I thought must have been George fucking taking the piss uh, I think we've had enough. Thank you very much for coming out. We have, we'll be back next Halloween with some sort of a picture then. My name is Judge Higgs. This is the Judge Higgs Thumbs Up. the smartest man in the world. we the smartest guy in the world. And i would let the applause die all the way down before the show's over because I'm biding for time for Robinson to put the theme song on again at the end. But I dare say he's not going to make it to the booth in time. Thank you very much for coming out with